Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 415 featuring Andrew Schmid, who is uh, at over at M2 Insight. He is a COO, uh, also the business development executive and a strategic advisor to that company. Uh, I actually met Andrew. He's been in, working in the computer graphics field for a very, very long time. And I uh, met him actually through, uh, we were both part of the Real Time Society, which is really cool is part of the uh, part of the real-time conference and uh, he is uh, focusing on a lot of stuff being done in AI and as you guys know I've been trying to get people to talk about AI for a long time and that is pretty much exclusively what we're talking about on this on this particular one uh, episode and uh, he was an excellent choice to give us his insight uh, I am uh, you know, not I am not shy to uh, talk to him about some very tough questions, and he uh, he and I get into a lot of those uh, those debates, uh, which was really good, and he was excellent to, to talk to him about it. So I'm very glad we were able to talk to him. I'm very excited to continue that conversation uh, through the real time uh, society. And uh, we'll continue to have these great talks. But I would love to have more of you guys uh, on that conversation and your feedback on it. Let me know what you guys think. Really excited, Kristen. Tell me what you thought about all this. Andrew's a pretty smart guy, right? Oh, yes. Very smart. Um, Yeah, you guys just like do a real deep dive into AI, um, just regarding how it's used, where it's used um, as an artistic tool in the boundary of that. Um, The good and the bad of AI, when you ask Andrew, he says and explains the bad is perceptive and the good is inarguable and inclusive of everyone. So that was kind of an interesting point he gave. Um, But you ask a lot of really good questions. He has a lot of amazing answers. Um, And he is focused on uh, science-driven discoveries and engineering innovations that create new possibilities. So he's just a a wealth of knowledge. Um, But yeah, it's you don't want to miss this podcast. Super interesting. Yeah, thank you for that, and that's really cool that you were able to do that. It is, it is pretty, pretty technical. We get pretty uh, insightful, and you know, I do, I don't let him off the hook in some certain areas, uh, but it was really cool to do that. And I think he got some very good insight into the possibilities and what's going on. Uh, and you know, one of the, uh, the 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 sayings he's been using, he's been trying to use on social media, is something called AI for good. And I think it's an interesting concept because it also implies that there's AI for bad. So that, that's what I've part of what I was drilling with, uh, what Kristen was telling us about. So anyway, really cool stuff. Highly recommend this episode. I'm going to recommend it to all of my friends, uh, although I recommend almost every episode. But this one was particularly <laughs> cool about AI. All right. We have a product announcement. Uh, V-Ray 6 for 3S Max. Uh, update 1 is out. Lots of great new tools in that. There's some new masking tools that can be applied for lens effects and denoiser and stuff like that. Uh, V-Ray uh, Light Materials uh, has a lot more updates in terms of post-processing that can be done there. Uh, lots of uh, uh, updates on the USD as well. There's also uh, faster scene loading for heavy scenes. Uh, environment fog renderings are about 30% faster, which is really cool. Uh, and uh, obviously, we have uh, some GPU updates that have been done as well. Uh, the big one that I think a lot of people are very interested in is uh, 50% less GPU memory for big textures, uh, which I think is very, very cool. All right. Uh, we've got uh, one event happening that's been an ongoing event we've been telling you about, but go ahead, Kristen, tell people about that. Yeah, if you go to chaos.com slash events, you'll be able to find out more about this, but it started in January and it will be going through March 30th and it is tools and techniques to visualize an eco-friendly home. So you can learn how to render an animated virtual tour with Chaos Vantage and V-Ray 6 for SketchUp. So this is a recording. So go on to chaos.com slash events and you can watch it till March 30th. 
Perfect. That's a really cool thing. I definitely recommend it. Uh, uh, it's uh, you know to see the eco-friendly foam. This is something that I worked on a little bit uh, and just got to check out. So I highly recommend that one. Uh, okay. If people want to know more about the podcast, Kristen, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash CG Garage Podcast or chaos.com slash CG Garage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaos group TV. Perfect. And of course, if you have any ideas or comments specifically on this one, I would love to know more. Email us labs at chaos.com. And of course, we'd love to have more speakers along the lines of this. Uh, this is something that I've been wanting to do. And I think that our listeners would love to no- learn more about. And so please let us know what your recommendations are. Again, that is labs at chaos.com. But for now, please enjoy episode number 415 with Andrew Schmid. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. First of all, thank you, Andrew, so much for being uh, uh, being on. And uh, I was very interested in having you on after listening to you talk uh, as part of the, the Real-Time Society when we got together as a group, which I thought was really sort of uh, very telling and very interesting. Uh, I know that you're sort of working on some of the stuff that we've been discussing in the AI field, which is a hugely hot topic these days, and I'm very excited to have you on to talk about that. But what sort of led you to, 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 to that? Like, what was your background? How did you end up becoming so interested in AI and, and that, that field in general? Uh, yeah, first off, thanks for the invite, Chris. Um, so I spent my career in visual tech and graphics tech, right? GPUs and um, graphics engines, all that stuff. So I've been in the gaming entertainment VFX developer space for a long, long time. And it was in the fall, um, you know, November-ish, all of a sudden it was like, wow, everybody's going crazy and it became an army of <laughs> villain versus villain kind of thing. And it was like, okay, hang on, hang on. Let's not get too emotional, too excited. This is all new. Uh, maybe we should talk to each other, right? Let's understand. Um, what I noticed right away is the big trick in understanding AI and generative that's come out, it's changing so quickly Uh, We're asking more questions than we can actually answer right now. And I thought, you know, why don't we get together and let's form a special interest group and let's bring all the voices. So that was really the, uh, the intent. Yeah, yeah, we should we should uh, talk about because uh, this this podcast is uh, part of Chaos Group, but but you and I are members of the uh, Real Time Society, which is uh, 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 what Jean, Jean Michel's group has done, who is sort of a spin off of the Real Time Conference that's happened. And so we've been discussing these things in that area, and I think it was great that he, you decided to make a, a special interest group specifically on on AI. What, so what is your area of interest in the AI field right now? What do you feel is, is sort of important that you need to pay attention to? Um, it, you know, the only one word ever comes to mind as I've been going through it all. And by the way, I'm an advisor to Image, 
They're an AI company. Oh, okay. And they're a yeah. photo management company for professional curators. So I just want to get that out there. Um, okay. Uh, so um, balance is the one word that always strikes me, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's, you know, we've got to find some balance. Is AI bad? No, it's not. Can it be hurtful? Yes, it can. Um, you know, should be developed and managed and used ethically? Yes. Um, you know, I asked uh, ChatGPT that question uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, I said, hey, are you evil? And it answered right. me and I posted it on my LinkedIn. And okay. what I got back in response from all my friends was, that sounds too good to be true. That's a really fair, balanced answer, which is humans develop AI. AI is strictly a tool. And you've mm -hmm. got to use it correctly and avoid harm. And I think sure. that's a true statement. Uh, the powers that be, it's arguable. Um, but overall, I think it's a tool. Yeah. Yes, it is a tool. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot of, uh, of, of um, <laughs> questions about how do you use those tools, right? I mean, I think there was specifically tools where, you know, I've, well, I think there was a, a, a chat bot of some kind that Microsoft had put out and had to turn off because it said some very offensive things mm -hmm. that it had learned on its own from the internet, right? So how do we stop our, how do we take control of our, of the tools that we have? Because in a lot of ways, the whole process of an AI is that it's learning on its own, a lot of the things. And if we don't necessarily have control over what it's learning from or with. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, let's understand AI has three components, right? It has uh, models, it has data, and it has compute, right? Right. So those are three distinct. Um, and it's the modeling that defines all the outcomes, right? Um, and so it's difficult to go ahead and police uh, the what it's learning from the data set, right? I mean, there were efforts being mm -hmm. made, um, you know, make sure there's nothing offensive, uh, make sure there's nothing, you know, um, that is going ahead and generate out of that data. But because we're talking internet scale data, Right. Yes. Um, you know, interesting arguments of late, which is, um, okay, contain the data. You know, it's like, hey, 75 terabytes is enough or it's not enough, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, if the AI is going to be developed and learned, you can't restrict it. Right. Um, right. Like it's just doesn't work. And so where does that leave you, right? And that leaves you then with uh, human beings uh, applying themselves, their knowledge and their experience to say, okay, let me help you relearn a little bit differently and apply that again and again, right? So we're always going to be involved in the AI. Uh, it, it can never be left alone because it just has no way to do that. Right. Right. I think there's, um, there's a lot of interesting things that are going on. I think one, especially right, every day, 
like if I, I, I'm sure yesterday I would have had a completely different set of questions than I have today because this is growing so fast mm-hmm. and so well. But uh, a few, uh, you know, about a month or so ago, there was a huge concern in, uh, by the specifically uh, the art community about uh, the data sets that are being used to train a lot of uh, text-to-image prompts. And uh, their concerns, I think, uh, are not necessarily unfounded. I think they're very, they have, uh, there's uh, definitely something to be concerned about. What do you think about those concerns uh, and how do you think they should be addressed? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a couple of friends and I, we've, we've been having this exact debate. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fallback position um, sometimes is, uh, oh, you know, just tag everything, right? Copyright ownership, you'll be fine. And I'm like, well, you can't do that exclusively. Uh, I'll give you an example I always bring up when I hear about just tagging everything and making sure the uh, the artists are credited. Um, mm-hmm. If I do a Banksy-like painting, Right. Sure. And everybody sees it as a Banksy artwork. What's my responsibility to Banksy? If I don't put his name on it, if I don't try to benefit commercially from it, all I'm doing is I am inspired by and putting smiles on people's faces. Right. Now, an AI who's doing the same thing, uh, how is that? how is that any different, right? I mean, it's one thing to go ahead and take uh, a character and uh, duplicate them or slightly modify them. Sure, got that, right? But mm-hmm. it's tough. I think um, another example we were thinking of, if um, an artist is known for their color palettes and an AI happens to find that those color palettes are really cool, and the owners of that AI use that successfully because people love that color palette. How do you bring that back to the artist, right? How do they protect their style? And I don't think there's anything around today that allow them to do that. Well, there's a, there was a couple of cases. Um, I know a, a, a friend of mine who was uh, who had uh, done a piece of uh, architectural visualization and did mm-hmm. put a painting over a fireplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that painting, they made it, they made the painting themselves in Photoshop and they made it in the style of someone that they liked. And that person sued them <laughs> for that and won the case. And then uh, there's also a case, for example, where um, – uh, in the movie Twelve Monkeys, uh, the mm-hmm. the director ripped off a, a drawing from uh, Levius Woods, and right. that and he won that case <laughs> as well. So there are definitely cases where artists can have gone through legal a- uh, ramifications to do that. Now the case that I you mentioned this earlier, you said the those particular pieces of work were used for profit, right? <laughs> It's using that rendering, the architectural rendering, to sell a piece of property, or you know, the movie industry is selling tickets to make that movie, and that was the thing. But 
how do you how do we necessarily uh, know you know if someone's work is being used for um, you know how can you tell how 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 is it that the artists can protect themselves against us and and how do we know that even if you just tag something as copyrighted that they're not using it in the system anyway. <laughs> Yeah, right now, right now, the you know systematically, it's almost impossible, right? Um, right. Um, and and so that's a challenge. Um, kind of back to your point about the the court cases. Um, unfortunately, right. for most creators, they don't have the resources, they don't have the time. Yep. To go ahead and hire <clears throat> lawyers and do this, right? And the danger and the risk is that that becomes accepted and they give up, right? Because the protections are going to take too long to catch up. And I think all of us together have to make sure those things get in place uh, before some of the parties get too far ahead of the curve, right? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, um, it's tricky. Um, an artist will know their work and we'll be able to identify it, right? Um, does that mean that everybody else will be able to do the same thing, right? And do they care? And and that's the sad part, right? If people say, "Oh, sure. I love the, I love this I love this generated art. It's fantastic. You know, I love it." Mm -hmm. um, do they feel a responsibility to know where it came from? I don't know that. Well, I, I will. I, I would say that you know, for me, I actually I do see a lot of benefits to uh, generated art. I think it's actually very, very interesting, and I will I will get to some of those for sure. But at the same time, I can understand that there's a lot of people who who've made their livelihoods on creating art, and that they feel that their uh, their their art has been taken away, and people are making billions of dollars scraping their data. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that there's definitely a feeling that they feel that the, uh, that's not, you know, working for them. There was a term that you used, I think you've been using in your social media called AI for good. <laughs> <laughs> right? Explain 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 the for good part and why is there a for bad? <laughs> uh, well, the for bad is perceptive. Right? Okay. Depends who you ask. Sure. Um, the AI for good is inarguable, right? Good meaning it has to be inclusive of everyone, right? Um, yeah. You know, I showed the um, infinity symbol. I had this uh, thing in my deck, uh, which is in uh, a LinkedIn post about the SIG. And mm -hmm. uh, I, what did I call it? I think uh, creative singularity, I think I called it. Uh, yeah. But the reason the reason that was there was for all of us to acknowledge uh, creativity involves multiple people, right? I mean, you've got the creators, but you've got the toolmakers who help them, and you've got the producers who make that um, possible. And it's that's an unbroken chain, right? Um, sure. Creativity can't honestly exist. I think I used the example of Leonardo in uh, the Sistine Chapel, right? Where, right, right. you know, uh, it was the Vatican who said, here's the canvas. 
And, you know, yes. there were the paint makers and the scaffold makers and the ones who provided the light for him. And he was the artist. And take any of those three away, that wouldn't have, you know, happened, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, with any new innovation that happens, uh, certain uh, sectors or jobs have are in danger right and this is true like when the automobile came around for example you mm -hmm. know what's the the famous thing of buggy whip makers were <laughs> not necessarily going to be making buggy whips there there are certain there are certain uh, uh fields that i think are are certainly have um may, may be in danger of of losing some of that that reputation what it, like for example stock stock image makers <laughs> Right, the or concept artists are uh, feel definitely some pressure on their side as well. Do you think that there are tools that people can learn new tools to sort of increase increase things, or do you think that that uh, there's going to be definitely a, a shift or a paradigm shift in how people create things? Well, you know, the arguments over the last couple of months have been um, take the creators away and now leave the AIs alone. And they're going to generate until it all becomes equivalent, all looks the same. Um, it's just not capable of doing anything really special or new, right? You always need creators, right? And, right. And uh, it's it's a spiral, right? Um, ChatGPT was the same argument. Produce all of your marketing material and all your advertising text and uh, have an engine do it and it's all going to sound the same, right? Sometimes that's fine. Yep. I'll be honest with you, I'll see stuff on my feed, I'll spend two seconds reading it and I go, good enough. Uh, but it right. depends, again, it's all about context, right? Um, but right. from a tools perspective, um, yeah, there's a lot of potential. I think it was um, Next AR, uh, Next Tech AR, they're in Toronto. And they just announced mm -hmm. that they have a breakthrough, right? And the breakthrough is that with the help of generative AI, they can take uh, 250 by 250 pixel texture patch, I believe, sample, and they could scale it up mm -hmm. to 4K at really high quality. And they can do it in, I think, 40 seconds instead of hours and hours and hours by an artist, right? Mm. And you go, hey, cool, right? That's awesome. Um, and that definitely has a place somewhere. Um, if you're going to do this, um, if you're going to do the, um, this in marketing and being able to have these 3D models done this way in this amount of time, uh, why not, right? Spend your time elsewhere. So I think there are tools out there. Um, another one is uh, Gloss AI out of Israel. Gloss AI uh, basically just is talking about the fact that take any webinar presentation or interview, get the AI to basically make 15 second snippets of it so you could post it on any platform, right? Instead mm -hmm. of video editing over and over and over again, right? Sure. And certainly if I'm big corporate and I've got a webinar and I want to sustain that engagement with that content, it's to my benefit, right? So definitely there are tools out there. I think from an artistic tool, um, hearing about, okay, uh, the tools today are there for inspiration. We know a lot of the generative is not 
great. <laughs> you know, it's not producing great. Some sometimes it is, but um, honestly, a lot of the stuff that we see from generative AI has been through a human filter, um, and that's great. Um, sort of early days, um, but again, where's the boundary? Um, does a designer, or a creator, or an artist um, feel comfortable? having a machine help them get inspired or is that artist doing it because they're working on a deadline and they need to speed things up right so i think there are different answers to that question mm -hmm. yeah I, I i i agree uh i think that obviously there's there's over the last several years uh, we noticed specifically, specifically in Adobe products that there's a lot of AI tools being used there that have certainly made Photoshopping <laughs> more fun and simpler and less tedious in a lot of ways, right? So I think that there's definitely a lot of great uh, tools that help accelerate things. Um, and that I think is definitely when, when, you, when you said AI for good, those are the tools that I had thought about. But um, I... Uh, there's also, you know, the idea that if these tools are being made to to make things uh, faster, is that always better? Uh, yeah, actually, that's great. I was in a, this uh, Tiger Team group that I have, and we're having exactly this. Is this better, right? And sure. you know, and I kind of give the answer is when I get asked, "What's the best technology?" Right. And I'm mm -hmm. like, the best technology is the one that's the most widely adopted. Right. right. <laughs> so yeah. you can argue, you can argue about um, uh, its application. You can argue about the technology. You can argue about every aspect of it. But if it becomes adopted, then that's the tech you go with, right? And so that can be a little bit concerning. If um, we get everybody thinking um, we don't really need independent creators anymore, right? Machines will do the work for us. Uh, that's honestly, that's not acceptable, right? Um, mm -hmm. If the AI is there to uh, create better art and have them participate in it, that's our history, right? So I think we have a responsibility to, to uh, sustain that. Well, I think that, you know, to some extent, you know, there's been a, a, a push for creativity based on algorithms for a while at the movie industry itself. I mean, you can see what's being out there. They're mm -hmm. making they're making content for the movie industry that is definitely based on market research rather than actual some creative right. idea in some ways. Um, but the uh, the the other you know question I had is, is specifically about um about some of these creative tools, uh, what is your thoughts um, on on how they're going to uh, affect people's uh, technical skills? Like, are there still going to be some technical skills that will be lost through this process? Wow, what a great question. Um, <laughs> um, which technical skills, right? I mean, I think I yeah. used the example in my in my presentation where I was like, I was um, on a on a forum hearing an artist saying, "I'm really tired of having to shade ten thousand leaves on a tree." 
That's my job, and I'm going to do it procedurally and get the job done, right? Fine. Um, but what they really wanted to do was to take that workload off their shoulder and go ahead and do other artistic uh, for the production they were working on. And so, fine, maybe that skill set of being able to shade uh, leaves or objects or textures repetitively over and over again will go away because now a machine can do it better and faster and cheaper. Cool, right? But um, I have to realize that every time base skill sets disappear, um, the bar never stays the same, right? The bar always gets raised. Sure. And so other skills develop or get asked for. So I think it's really a mix um, of what you asked. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, there was in the visual effects industry, as you, I'm, I'm sure you're aware, you know, around the the I call it the life of Pi days. Uh, there was a there was sort of a backlash from the film industry against against computer-generated uh, material and visual effects. A lot of people want to say, no, they did it for real. They really did that, right? I mean, I think right now there's even a, a story going around that Chris Nolan really did the atomic bomb <laughs> that they used in there, right? <laughs> and that's find that hard to believe. But at the same time, the, 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 the question you know, I have is, is there's, do you think that there's going to be like this is real art as opposed to generated art that there's going to have a community that's going to do have a, a sort of a, a backlash of that, or will generative art get so good that it doesn't, you can't really tell the difference and it doesn't matter anymore. Well, you know, the amazing thing about us all is um, we can, you know, we tell ourselves we can tell what's real and what's not. Right. And it sometimes sure. it takes a lot of work and effort to fool us. But uh, honestly, in some cases, it's all about context, right? It's all about use case. Mm -hmm. It is um, see an IKEA ad and all of it's generated, right? Yep. And as far as you can tell, that's a photo. Okay, cool, right? And if you get fooled and you buy that product, then you're done, right? Sure. Um, uh, when you're getting more into the creative side of things, the entertainment side, the emotional side of art, that's different, right? Uh, because as soon as you bring in uh, emotion and belief, join entertainment, uh, and you realize you got fooled, usually you get backlash around that, right? Um, because... Yes. Um, it's important for us to believe that sometimes what um, the art portrays has meaning to us and realizing then that, okay, that's just an algorithm that's done it for us. Uh, it's empty, right? It's an empty thought. So it's tough. Uh, sometimes photorealistic is fine. Other times, again, it's uh, hurtful. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting. I mean, it's funny you brought up the IKEA thing because uh, we've been Chaos has been partnering with IKEA for for years mm -hmm. to provide photorealistic 
<laughs> software to make those renderings uh, happen. So uh, something that I'm very well aware of. And the other thing in visual effects is there's it, no you are most proud when people don't know <laughs> that what they saw was a visual effect, that the invisible visual effects are something that I think people get really excited about in some ways. Um, but I think there's something else that is sort of uh, uh, interesting about some of these, uh, these creations. It's also, you know, when uh, there was a time when people were very concerned about AI tools, uh, specifically deepfakes, right? Mm -hmm. There was a lot of ethical issues that were going on around those things. How do you think those, uh, what, what are your thoughts on some of those things? Um, you know, I've seen a big change um, over the last couple of months um, mm -hmm. from the founders, um, the architects, the designers, the CTOs, uh, because they're communicating, right? And they're communicating differently now. Uh, perhaps it's a generational difference. Uh, how were they communicating before and how are they communicating now? What is the change that you're seeing? Um, I think, I think um, previously they felt, um, I don't want to say that they felt protected, that they didn't have to disclose or explain. I think um, they didn't feel a need because um, they weren't getting those questions, right? They didn't thought they didn't think society out there was really paying attention, and what they did was fine and seemed to work, right? But because of OpenAI, and uh, because of the, some of the protests and backlash, right? Um, hey, you know what's the fastest growing app in the history of humanity, right? That kind of stuff, right? Um, because it's gone so viral. Uh, people are actually now working really hard to educate themselves and uh, learn about it. And they're asking questions that I think uh, need to be answered, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really different now. Um, there's no benefit to saying everything's fine. You know, don't look at the wizard behind the curtain. Um, mm -hmm. uh, they need buy-in for them to be successful, means that we all have to accept it and be comfortable with it and utilize it to our own benefit as well. So it uh, feels like it's becoming more of a group engage uh, than in the past. Yeah. yeah, I think what's interesting is if you look at some of the, you know, obviously there's been lots of different backlash on different levels, but one of the things that was interesting is is misinformation, Right. They, a lot of AI tools can be used to give misinformation or themselves give misinformation. How, what is the best way to respond or to consider those things, like in terms of how it's going to work? Yeah, I think uh, we're actually getting into a really dangerous area because um, these, these engines are now feeding on so much data, right? Um, uh, they're also feeding on misinformation themselves. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's one thing to do a deep fake on a known object or a known story, right? It's another one now where you've got an AI platform that can't tell the difference, right? And doesn't know how to learn from it unless it's told. And that that's a little bit scary uh, because potentially the ability for us 
to know what's fake or potentially fake uh, now gets really occluded, right? Just because the AI engines have themselves um, been misinformed and and can't be informed otherwise, right? So that's really tough. I think um, uh, like ChatGPT is a great example. When I did that post of what it answered me about, are you evil? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a 50-50 split, but 50% of the people told me they didn't believe it was ChatGPT who gave the answer. Right. Right. And yep. I think... Uh, in that instance, it was fear, right? Sure. And I think back to your question, how do you manage fear? Yep. Yeah. Well, I, there. I think my best answer is knowledge, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? The more you know, the less you're scared of it in some ways. Um, at least that's my hope. Um, there was an, you know, there was just before, just before the pandemic, I was on a panel specifically with, uh, 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 SAG-AFTRA, which is the Screen Actors Guild. And they were, they had big concerns over deep fakes in terms of what it does for the, the likeliness of people as members of the, the, the Screen Actors Guild. Um, and which is completely justifiable, but there was also huge concerns that, you know, 2020 was an election year and that there was going to be a lot of misinformation done through deepfakes for presidential campaigns. And turns out that just they didn't need any of that. <laughs> misinformation was happening without the technology <laughs> in a lot of ways. So, so the, the, the tool itself is not necessarily as dangerous as the people, the people are, right? That's the sort of thing I was thinking about. Yeah, no, that's that's um, that's a great way to put it. Um, the technology's there, period. Right, sure. it can do it, it can do it today, and it can do it exceptionally well. Uh, the concern is the motivation behind it, and mm-hmm. that's got nothing to do with the tech, right? And right. so uh, it sometimes you know gets a little challenging when who are you blaming? Right. Are you blaming the tech for its ability to do so? Um, and I yep. think it's who are the actors uh, behind those deep fakes? Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's where it needs to be stopped, right? That's where it needs to be sure. regulated, policed, uh, what have you. Um, but again, the volume of it is so high, it's difficult to catch up. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the other thing that was sort of being discussed at the time is specific tools being used to detect whether something is fake or not fake, right? Mm-hmm. So video forensics is one way to, to look at it. But what the thing that's a little bit scary about video forensics or, is that specifically most of these tools are, are, are trained on adversarial networks, right? So that mm-hmm. they're designed – to be so good that they can't 
fool themselves, <laughs> right? Is this good enough to pass the test? Yes or no. So it's constantly training itself. So how do you, how do you, you know, obviously people are going to want to know if someone wrote something themselves or chat GPT wrote it for them or, or, or same thing with an, an image or anything else that they created. Um, what are your thoughts on that in terms of do we need detection tools to tell whether someone created something or was created by an AI, by an AI. You know, the thought, the thought's a good one. Um, um, you know, built some AIs to go ahead and be able to, you know, deliver truthful answers and answer these questions for us. But we're stuck because we've broken through on, uh, on uh, the transformation technologies, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we're on the other side of the fence now. And because, because of how transformative AI works, right? Um, um, I'm not sure uh, you could stop, um, stop that train running down the track. I don't think you can ever keep up enough. Um, I think um, um, however... Uh, However, the AI is utilized uh, will continue to change, continue to grow, continue to get more sophisticated, and so you're always chasing after it. Uh, I think, in some cases, certainly where you can apply it, great. Um, um, if an educator is there and wants to make sure that that paper in front of them is truly original, fantastic. Um, I would be lying to say that I didn't crib a couple of thoughts and notes out of books and from authors for my work. Uh, yep. um, but uh, it's, it's, um, I saw this great in a um, um, conversation in an academic forum and they were talking about exactly this. We need an AI to help you know, prove this, make sure that you know, the student has learned. And, and um, some of the educators were saying, we don't have the time. Right. Hmm. We just don't have the time. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have the resources um, to go ahead and find these tools, use these tools and, you know, make certain. And so to them, it's kind of weighed in the balance of is it critical and important if it's a national security issue? Yes. If it's a big commercial revenue profit issue? Yes. If it's a liability issue? Yes, absolutely. Um, but only in those unique cases, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's, um, yeah, it's a good question, um, but it's only in those cases where you want to be able to determine veracity. Um, the only sure. ones who'll be able to do that well are the ones with the resources to fund it and utilize it, right? And that will be generally, you know, owners of IP. Yeah, I think there's also, you know, there's obviously right now um, the AI tools that are not necessarily putting people's lives uh, at risk. Mm -hmm. uh, those, you know, somehow we have created so many different AIs that are doing so many incredible things, yet we still can't get a driverless car to work without <laughs> creating a problem right now, right? So I know that people themselves can create accidents as well as AIs, but still, when when do we get to the point where it's safe to use an AI? Like Google, for example, they're not 
jumping to put an AI on there. They feel the pressure, but they don't, they know that there's a lot of misinformation that can happen from an AI search engine <laughs> that is exactly what people rely on Google to give it answers that they can assess themselves, right? Uh, yeah, again, um, great question. And it always comes down to context and scale. Um, 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 Alexa does a good job for me, right? Right. It's a very simple AI engine. It, and right. The simple few words questions that I give it, and it gives me a few word answers, and I'm fine. Right? That's okay. Um, now, if you're asking me, um, am I ready to risk myself in a vehicle that is entirely autonomous? Right? And 100% mm -hmm. safe in every case. Um, yeah, we've got a ways to go. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it's it's a question of scale. Um, I think we're getting there slowly. Um, but uh, we have to understand that uh, for that dream of having driverless cars and doing it safely, uh, the AIs need to continue to develop themselves and they continue to, they should have the room to go ahead and do that, to learn, access the data, do it rightfully, attribute correctly, right? Do it with, uh, uh, you know, with those rules and guidelines. It should be allowed to be done. Otherwise, we'll never get there. Unfortunately, I think sure. a lot of those rules, guidelines, and legislative is not there yet today. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, for example, one of the things I'm, I, I whenever I, we have a big influx of new technology or something that happened in a massive way, I always try to look at something that happened in the past and how we got over it. Like, let's say, remember when the internet first came about and people were just, what is this internet thing and what is it going to do to our libraries or whatever, you know, that, that, that thought of what was going on. And we were asking a ton of questions. Today, we don't ask those questions anymore. We just take the internet for granted. It just does a bunch of things mm -hmm. for us all the time. Um, right now, we're asking a lot of questions about AI. <laughs> At some point, do you think we're going to get out of this where the... AI systems are just going to be so pervasive everywhere that we just take them for granted as part of our everyday lives. And if that's the case, when do you think, what do you think those lives will look like? So progressively, yes, um, that's unstoppable. Um, we accept Siri and Alexa and we've accepted them for a long time and they were very rudimentary AIs and yeah, yeah. They're part of our life today. Yeah. Um, then we have AIs who, if we want to generate who we are online, we want them to be avatars, our personalities, we want them to interact. Um, sure, if the demand is there, that's going to occur, period, right? Sure. Um, and so, um, but I mean, AIs are being utilized in so many different places. I loved an article I read today about, oh, hey, uh, brokerages and uh, brokerages are going to be AI to AI, and and I'm like, okay, great. So <laughs> we could have brokerages buying and selling stocks to each other, right? And mm -hmm. um, okay, where where do we belong in that? And again, it depends what part of that is the AI in, right? And utilizing 
I think overall, um, are we all going to be jobless? Um, are we all going to be, uh, feel no need to create or do or act, uh, because the AIs all around us will do that for us. Uh, at some point we've got to realize, um, <laughs> having something done for us, uh, doesn't always give us value, right? I mean, we can walk away. Sure. Um, I think we're looking at progressively more and more in um, AI um, in our lives. I think over the next five to 10 years, we'll see uh, a major shift, I think. Um, I think in the creative community, certainly in gaming, entertainment, software development and everything else, uh, yeah, that shift's occurring now. It's already being predicted and budgeted for. <laughs> That's the thing, okay. right? Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, certainly. Um, certainly, everyone is preparing for the shift now. Um, okay. yes. And when you're building you know, your company, your brand, or your business, you're not doing it quarter to quarter. Uh, you're planning your business over, you know, five years, 10 years kind of thing. Yep. And the value of AI is becoming apparent, right? And its ability mm -hmm. to do certain roles and do certain functions and do them more cost-effectively, um, not necessarily better sometimes, uh, is known, right? And so I think... Um, uh, organizations need to be wise in terms of where they believe they need to get to in five years, the way they're built today. And so I think some of these uh, plans are underway, at least preparatory. Um, there could be legislation and other things that come along that kind of slow things down and grind it to a halt. Um, but again, these preparations are happening now. Yeah. Yeah, really, really good good point. And I think you're right. I think I'm seeing a lot of technology technology companies that do not necessarily respond to this are the ones that are going to be hurting the most at this point. I think that this is going to be a little bit of a a, a rush on this. Yeah, it's um it's tough, right? Because um you have to put the trust uh, into the people who are giving us this AI. Um, mm -hmm. that they do it well, they'll be successful at it, and they'll be able to continue to deliver um, benefits out of it, right? So you have to be able to trust. Sure. Um, but that's tricky because how do you trust an AI, right? How do you trust a pile of code? How do you trust the amount of GPUs you've got available to run it at any time? Um Mm -hmm. And and so again, a lot of this is um, metrics for the moment. Well, it, almost every new piece of GPU from the highest end to the mobile includes AI cores in them now. So it's kind of it's going to be everywhere for sure. Yeah. Um, go ahead. No, no, good. Uh, my my question uh, also is obviously is is uh, with the the SIG specifically, um, 
uh, I really want to know what is what are some of the goals of your of the SIG that you're trying to do, uh, and and how do you feel that uh, what would be the best utilization of that knowledge base and that interest uh, group specifically? Yeah, great. So um, uh, the first meeting is February seventeenth, uh, eight a.m. Pacific, and um, the goal of the SIG was first to bring everybody into the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, for everybody to lay out on the table all these questions, concerns, arguments, fears, hopes, dreams, right? That was the real goal first. Um, um, out of that, of course, um, saying we need to strike a balance is less true. Um, it has more to do with um, are the Toolmakers on the AI side truly understanding and talking to uh, the audience, uh, the users, uh, the creators, the people they may impact or not. Are they involving them or not? Should they? Like, there's still a question, you know. Um, So I think that's important. And then uh, to develop that further into, well, how should they? Um, I think on the other side... It has to do with uh, education. Um, I think it also has to do with voice. I think if creators are being told, uh, just tag everything, you'll be fine. Um, Cool. If that solves the problem, fantastic, right? Um, How do they all do that, right? Do they all want to do that? Do they know how to do that? Should there be infrastructure in place? Should be frameworks, protocols, guidelines? around that desire. Um, So these are the kind of bigger questions we're looking to formulate solutions around. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) That makes sense. I think that this is, uh, you know, it's a really fascinating uh, uh, idea and and I think it's important. Um, I think one of the best things that uh, I've seen so far that you've been doing is educating people and saying there's a resource for people to do this and to understand what's going on. Because I think uh, uh, fear was one of the topics we covered today. Fear can only be uh, 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 quelched by more knowledge. And I think having a special interest group where people can communicate really well about uh, how things are going is probably the best way to diminish that fear. (laughs) Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and there are decisions to be made, right, on both sides. Um, right. And and um, uh, do they accept or not accept? Again, that's up to them to make. Uh, sure. It would be nice to have a conversation where people can become more informed about what they probably should accept, Right. Um, and, 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 and hopefully we'll be able to um, elevate that up in discussion and get some agreement amongst everybody. So that's, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, there's, there's so many topics we could cover, but I think it's just it's all growing so fast. But you've been really great at, at sort of giving a good perspective in this, uh, in this field and I'm hoping that we can have more people like yourself uh, help people understand these tools better, uh, give people an understanding of how they can use them, what they should be looking for, how to how to use them properly and ethically, 
<laughs> and to just think about what those what those implications are. So I really appreciate you being able to 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 be part of this and and be uh, let us know uh, about those things, Andrew. Thanks very much, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity. Great questions, and um, together we'll see where this goes. Uh, last thing, where can people follow you so they can get more engage more with your conversation? Where are you available on different social media platforms? Um, yeah, uh, I'd probably start off. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, look for uh, the contacts about both myself and RTC and RTS around the uh, SIG. Uh, anyone who's in the mm -hmm. community who's in the visual arts um, and um, wants to join the uh, RTC community is more than welcome to join in the SIG. So um, that's a good place to start. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks very much, Chris. Have a great day.